We've been in a series called Out of the Mud and the Mire. Can you say Out of the Mud and the Mire? We're going to go ahead and start off here in Psalms chapter 40, verses 1 through 3. This has kind of been our, our spine scripture as we've been going through this series. Uh, and if this is your first time here, or maybe every other time I've said it, you've been like, no. Um, I would encourage you, unless it's a distraction to you, uh, if you would read the bold words with me, it'll just kind of help you stay tuned in. And I've also bolded those words for emphasis. Um, hey, online fam, we're going to put the scriptures on screen for you as well so you can join us. It says this, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Isn't that good news? Come on, man. We could stop right there and be like, God bless, because it's good. Something that, you know, in this series, we've really been trying to highlight that God's not afraid of your mess. When we hide the mess, he can't do anything with it. When we hide the mud in the mire, when we pretend, listen, listen, Christians can do this funny thing of pretending, but pretending that they're pretending is faith. They won't admit that they actually have need because they are actually in faith. Faith is recognizing your need and receiving from God. Okay? So faith starts by going, I don't have it all figured out. I do need God's help. There are such things as pits. Not everything is fine because Jesus is Lord. Did you hear me? This is important. I mean, I'm telling you people do this. And it's a bunch of phony nonsense. There is such thing as watching what comes out of your mouth. And there is such thing as making sure that your words glorify God. But there's also such thing as being humble and vulnerable and real about our need for God to move in our lives and to recognize our need. Once more, it's called humility, church. We have so much room to grow. So much room to grow. And I'm excited to see what God does as we continue just to dive into humility in Him. Amen? So I want to talk this morning about pits. Y'all are like, okay, this is getting weird right off the bat, you know. Um, I like the words that I have bolded here. It says, he lifted me out of the pit of what? Despair. Despair. I think sometimes we get so fixated on being lifted out of the circumstantial pit that we don't even leave room for God to lift us out of the pit of despair. You can fixate on the need to escape uncomfortable circumstances, and all you want to say, all we, I, sometimes want to say, is help me out, not help me in. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? I want to suggest to you this morning, God might want to help you in. 
We sang this morning, another in the fire. That implies we're in fire. But God is there with us. He wants to help us in and through. And it is a beautiful testimony that when regardless of circumstances, even when circumstances are terrible, even when the world would look and go, look at the pit you're in. We are not in despair. We yield it to God as an opportunity to move. Today's message is called Pits to Pulpits. See what I did there? The Paul. You see that? Pulpits? I'm a dad now. I can say these things. I can make dad jokes. I can make puns. And I'm not even going to apologize for it anymore. From Pits to Pulpits. Point being, even in the midst of what might seem like a circumstantial pit, God can make all things work together for good, and you can see God utilize these circumstances as a platform for you to be a voice for God, for you to receive and to extend His blessing in every realm of influence, every opportunity, every season of life you find yourself in because it's not always rainbows and butterflies, church. Sometimes we find ourselves in places we would rather not be naturally. But I want to tell you, give it to God. And if we can learn rather than again to fixate on on escaping the pit, learning perseverance, learning contentment and watching God move. I'm not saying God doesn't want to get you out of the the bad circumstances. I'm just saying sometimes there's such imbalance. And rather than looking and saying, okay, this is a situation, maybe I don't want to be in it, but God, I know you can still move. I want to see you move. And then rather than fixating on ourselves, we see opportunities for him to do so. From pits to pulpits. So this morning, are y'all ready? We're going to go on a journey together. We're going through the whole story of Joseph. And I know it's Mother's Day. And I know that y'all probably have plans, so I'm going to do my very best to get us through this thing in a time that God would like us to. Sound good? But what I observe in the life of Joseph is this. Here's a pit. Watch God do something. Here's another pit. Watch God do something. Here's another pit. Watch God do something. Oh, you want another one? Here's another pit. Watch God do something. And I wanted to take some time this morning just to dive in and to look at this experience and learn from it. Y'all know we can learn things in Scripture? I hope you know that. If you don't know that, hi, welcome. Scripture is helpful. And we can learn from one another. Good night. No matter the pit that Joseph found himself in, he served those around him and saw God's favor work in his life 
where he was blessed and he was a blessing. So Joseph was a dreamer. Um, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph was a 17-year-old. What do you call a 17-year-old? Is it a boy? Uh, 17 is that weird place between boy and man. You know what I'm saying? 17 is like, it's a, it's a unique age. And Joseph, he was a 17-year-old. Joseph was daddy's favorite. How many all know not everybody likes the favorite? There's a reason why teacher's pet is like an insult. You know, people don't like the favorite. And Joseph was the favorite. It straight up says in scripture, Joseph was the favorite. You know, I know parents aren't supposed to say that. True's my favorite. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that for now, you know. And Kara's not pregnant, just for the record. I said for now, and some of y'all are like, oh. relax. So Joseph is 17. His brothers didn't like him. Not only was he the favorite, he was kind of daddy's informant, you know. Um, so what happened, and honestly, I used to look at Joseph and be like, bro, you're just a tattletale. I didn't really like him for that reason. I was like, you're just going out tattling on your brothers. Good for you, Joseph. You know, I kind of like make fun of him for tattling. But honestly, I kind of respect the game. I'm looking at him and I'm like, yo, the relationship he has with his father is beautiful. And he's communicating truth. He, his father is trusting him to go out and do things. Now there's a line, right? But still, I think it's kind of awesome that he respected his father and would actually like come back and say, hey, dad, this is what's actually going on, you know? And so Joseph, again, uh, he's a dreamer. And so Joseph has a couple of dreams. Can you say a couple of dreams? First dream has to do with these bundles of wheat, um, hay, bundles of something, you know? Um, and basically, his dream is that he is in a field with his brothers, and his hay, his bundle, stands up straight. And all of the other bundles bow down to this bundle, you know? And the brothers, they're pretty keen on picking this up. They go, we don't want our bundle bowing to your bundle. Because what it means is they don't want to bow to Joseph, right? Um, and so Joseph's brothers, they get, they're up in arms, man. They're upset about this. Um, and it doesn't just stop at the brothers. It actually goes on um, to his father, Jacob, a.k.a. Israel, okay? If you're ever confused and you're reading Jacob and then all of a sudden this other dude named Israel shows up, same guy, okay? Uh, but what happens is, is Joseph has a dream, 11 stars, and the sun and the moon. Anybody guess what sun and moon are? Mother and father, they all once more bow down to Joseph. Here's the interesting thing. Whereas Joseph's brothers got upset and they're like, oh, we hate you, Joseph. You're the worst. We don't want to blah, 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 blah. The dad was also like annoyed, but he didn't just dismiss it, nor did he kick against it. Kind of called out Joseph, and he's like, what is this supposed to mean? We're supposed to bow to you too? But it says that Jacob kept those things. Any of y'all ever have somebody speak something over you that just didn't sit comfortably with you? You wondered if there was some truth to it, though, and so you just put it on the shelf? 
Anybody ever done that before? I would encourage you, that's a healthy thing to do. Now, if it's stirring up fear and anxiety and all that stuff, just don't even give it much mind. But I'm just saying, Jacob's initial response to what Joseph said was not like, yeah, I love that word. He's like, no, this kind of annoys me, but I'm not going to do what my sons are doing and just reject it. And so he just kind of put it on the shelf to see what would happen. So in Genesis 37:19, uh, we see Joseph's brother's response. Joseph is sent out to go find his brothers. And when he's on his way, they see him in the distance. And this is what they say. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a vicious animal devoured him. Then we will see what will become of his dreams. <laughs> That's where the maniacal laugh happens, you see. Joseph. See what happened. This is extreme. Think about, they're like, they're talking about killing their brother. That's kind of hardcore, don't you think? And so there's this dude named Reuben, like the sandwich. Forgive me, I know it's 1124, and for those who appreciate the bitter tastes of a Reuben sandwich, it's going to be hard to kick that. <laughs> but we're going to make it, you know? We're going to make it together. But so Reuben... Uh, he doesn't want Joseph to die, okay? So Reuben's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. Uh, we'll put him in a pit. Let's not kill him, though. And then Reuben was like, I'll just come back later, sneaky Reuben, and I'll help Joseph out, and everything's going to be fine. Well, what happens, reading on, says this. So Joseph is in the pit. Reuben ain't around. It says this. Then some Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled him out and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So they brought Joseph into Egypt. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So Joseph has already gone from one pit to another. First pit rejected by his siblings to the point of wanting him to die. But they settled for selling him into slavery. Good night. How many of y'all think that's already like, holy moly, he's seeing some hardship. Here's the beautiful thing. Despite this hardship, we will see a theme throughout Joseph's story of him refusing to harbor resentment. Church, I think we can learn a great something by the refusal to harbor resentment. It can be a temptation when you go through hardships to resent people and circumstances. You will have a hard time living a life and living a life that glorifies Jesus and responding to the Holy Spirit if you want to prioritize resentment. I'm not saying you have to be completely free from having any thoughts, any feelings. God will work that out. But if your heart wants to prioritize holding something against someone or the situations, you're going to find yourself in a trap. And how many all know 
we don't need to fall in that trap. Hello? I don't want to be in a trap. I want to be free. I want you to be free. I want us to be free to just be a blessing wherever we go always. Like that's what we do. That's how we live. So just right off the bat, I would like to submit this to you. A journey to a dream can look a lot different than you think it should. Joseph had a dream. His brothers were going to be bowing to him. Interesting how he gets put lower than them in a pit. Seems like a reversal of his dream, doesn't it? This is strange. I thought God gave me this dream. What's happening? Well, it's a journey, man. It's a journey. Don't put timelines on God dreams that God doesn't put on them. You'll find yourself going, oh, why am I not there yet? Like children. Like, are we there yet? You know? No, we're not there yet. Enjoy the ride. Look out the windows. There's all this stuff you've never seen before. Enjoy it. Eat your snacks. I gave you snacks for the ride. True's got little puffs. You know what I mean? True's in puffs mode, and we got this little container. You can put his little fingers through there and like, you know, it's great, man. He can't talk yet well. I mean, he yodels at me. He does this thing. He's like, yo, lo, le, le, da, 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 da. He like yelled dad at me. And I'm like, hey, man, yeah, I hear you. What's up? You know? But I'm just saying we can enjoy the ride, even if the ride is tumultuous, which in Joseph's case, it certainly was. Let's take a look at Genesis 39, 2 through 6. So here we see what the circumstances of slavery look like for Joseph. It says, as it turned out, so remember he was sold to Potiphar, as it turned out, God was with Joseph and things went very well with him. Can you say very well? well. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. His master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything he did. So not only did Joseph recognize that God was like working in his life, his master recognized that God was working in his life. Doesn't this sound like the psalm we read at the top? People will see it and they'll be amazed. It says this, he became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him. From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian all because of Joseph. The blessing of God spread over everything he owned at home and in the fields. And all Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. How many of y'all think that sounds like Joseph was a blessing to Potiphar? Listen, if you spend your time resenting where you are or the people around you in a pit, you will refuse God the opportunity to transform your pit to a pulpit. Did you hear me? If you want to resent, maybe you don't even want to, but if we let ourselves be duped into resenting where we are or who we're serving, then we are going to refuse God the opportunity to move and transform this. 
It's going to be hard to see God's favor in operation if you're maligning your boss. Did you hear me? Favor doesn't work if you spit in their face. If God's setting something up, if God, if God wants to kind of highlight you for his glory, then let's not get in the way. Let's not create these obstacles of insult or resentment or, gosh, I wish I had a different boss. Gosh, I wish I wasn't here. People feel that. They know that. Let's give them something else. Amen? Let's yield to God and watch this go down. Because then you can even kind of become friends with your oppressor. Isn't that a trip? He became fond of Joseph. Holy moly. That's pretty rad. Don't make the people in and around the pit your enemy. They're not. People are not your enemy. I'm going to say that again. People are not your enemy. And even if you're duped into believing that they are, Jesus gave us clear instruction on what to do to our enemies. Love them. Bless them. Pray for them. Amen? I find it interesting. This is like the most literal example of servant leadership ever. You know? Just like servant leadership, like serving. Leading, but as a servant. I find it so beautiful. So, things are going good. How many of y'all have had seasons where you see God work in a pit? You know, the pit starts to look like a pulpit, and you're like, this is good, I like this. This is nice. Starting to get comfortable. Starting to feel respected. Starting to feel like, yeah, 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 things are going great. You know? And something happens. Uh, here in this story, something happens. Let's go ahead and read on, Kyle. Joseph was a strikingly handsome man, just in case you were wondering. As time went on, his master's wife became infatuated with Joseph and one day said, sleep with me. He wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He treats me as an equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife after all. How could I violate his trust in sin against God? Let's keep reading. She pestered him. Day after day after day. It's a lot of pestering. Well, he stood his ground. He refused to go to bed with her. On one of these days, he came to the house to do his work, and none of the household servants happened to be there. Listen, y'all, if you find yourself in this situation, it's a trap. Get out! Get out, man! If the lady's pestering you... Saying, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. You walk in and there's nobody there, turn around and run. Before they can get a hand on your cloak, run. But, 
she grabbed him by the cloak. She got it. Saying, sleep with me. Sounds terrifying, honestly. <laughs> it doesn't even, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is scary. He left his coat in her hand and ran out of the, So he got out of Dodge, respect, you know. When she realized that he had left his coat in her hand and run outside, she called to her house servants, Look, this Hebrew shows up and before you know it, he's trying to seduce us. Interesting. He tried to make love to me, but I yelled as loud as I could. With all my yelling and screaming, he left his coat beside me here and ran outside. Do you see what she's doing? She's framing Joseph. Man, listen, hey, people can get upset with you when you refuse their invitation to wickedness. So you might be thinking, well, Potiphar's not going to believe her. Potiphar won't believe the wife. The grace of God is on Joseph. The, Potiphar is very fond of Joseph. Well, verses 19 through 23. When his master heard his wife's story telling him, these are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. Can you say furious? Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. Pit, lift it up. Pit, lift it up. Pit. <laughs> he finds himself once more in a pit. God's favor does not override human will. Did you hear me? Um, God can kind of like stir hearts in his direction and like something about you, you know? But that person can still make a choice to outward, like just outright reject you. I just want you to know that. It doesn't mean that you missed it. Okay? Are y'all hearing me? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, another reason, think about it. Up until now, Joseph's presence has exclusively been a blessing. Right? It's easy to love people when they're a blessing to you. Once their presence starts to stir up marital strife, it might kind of change things a little bit. Some people will invest in you while you are a blessing, but will abandon you the minute there's any kind of stuff. Guess what? We just keep on blessing. You see, you could carry resentment from this. Joseph could go, I served you, man. I even told your wife, I can't do this. I have this, this man's trust. Like, I would never do this. You're married. How many of y'all think Joseph could really be hurt by this? And how many of y'all think you might carry that kind of hurt into the next pit? Say, well, I'm done. Loving enemies doesn't work. Favor doesn't work. Being a blessing wherever I am doesn't work. 
Joseph doesn't do that. Reading on. Y'all ready? But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation. Does this sound familiar? Like, we just saw this, didn't we? The head jailer gave Joseph free reign. Never even checked on him. Y'all ready? Because God was with him, whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. Listen, Joseph's story has less to do with Joseph's resilience than it does God's presence. Now, I'm, I am not undermining Joseph. Because for Joseph to stay open and to recognize and receive God's presence, to receive it again in another pit, and to decide to be a blessing, instead of saying, nope, tried this before, it's nonsense, I'll just end up in another pit, another pit, another pit. He didn't do that. But God's presence wherever he went, was the transformative factor. How many of y'all know we have God's presence with us wherever we go? He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. This is why we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. You can thrive in any pit. God can take any pit and turn it into a pulpit, a place where you are a voice, a hand, a part of the body of Christ, expressing his love wherever you go. Don't play the Christian victim card at work. Okay? What do I mean by that? I'm the only Christian here. I'm surrounded by sinners. It's so hard. What am I to do? <laughs> Step one, recognize God's presence with you always. Deal? Step two, find a community of believers to have your back. And then step three, yield to God wherever you are and watch him blow your mind. Deal? This whole, I work with any, honestly, sometimes... Listen, I love you, Pastor Paul. Kara, wherever you are, I love you. Pastor Dana, wherever you are, I love you. Rest of Love Church staff, I love you. But there's a part of me that misses regularly being thrown into this place where I'm rubbing shoulders with people who don't know the Lord. It's an opportunity, y'all. And I just want you to recognize it as such because you can romanticize this thing. Be like, yeah, it'd be so great if I was just, guess what? Christians are people too. They will bug you. But I'm just saying, working in a godless place, one, you're there, it ain't godless. And then watch God transform it. Amen? That's what I mean by don't play the Christian victim card. I've just heard it. I've been there, man. Like, I lived that factory life. I remember. And I, I dismissed what was a tremendous opportunity for God to move sometimes. Sometimes I'd just be crabby, not in the mood. 
But I just want to tell you, it's a real opportunity. So uh, what happens here? Joseph's head over the jail, and, and the head cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt get thrown into prison. Cupbearer and baker. Can you say cupbearer? Can you say baker? Get thrown into prison, and they were put under Joseph's supervision. In Genesis chapter 40, verses 4 through 7, says this, after they had been in custody for a while, the king's cupbearer and baker, while being held in jail, both had a dream on the same night, each dream having its own meaning. When Joseph arrived in the morning, he noticed that they were feeling low. So he asked them, the two officials of Pharaoh who had been thrown into jail with him, what's wrong? Why the long faces? If you are fixated on your pit, if you are having a pity party, I'm just going to. But real talk, if you have eyes on yourself and you're just minging, 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 you're not going to notice the long faces. And once more, you will deny God the opportunity to work through you. He wants to. Guys, the reason we've been instructed to do all things without grumbling and complaining is because it just prevents us from responding to the leading of the Spirit. That's what it is. If Joseph was still, again, if Joseph was in resentment, I hate this pit, I hate these people, I hate this prison, I hate bakers and cupbearers, donuts and wine, I hate it all. Then he's not going to be looking. He's just going to have eyes in here. Now, that's a very small way to live. You are not the center of the universe. I love you. The world does not revolve around you or me. God, part of the joy of this life is getting to be a blessing to one another. Getting to be a blessing to those who don't know him. It's tremendous. So in chapter 40, verse 8, it says this, They said, we dream dreams, and there's no one to interpret them. I love Joseph's response. It's just like, so baller. Joseph said, don't interpretations come from God? Tell me the dreams. There's just like such a humble confidence in that that I think we could all learn from. We're out and about. We notice a long face. We ask somebody, yo, what's going on? How are you? Oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm in a funk, but it's because my leg hurts and I just can't, I can't even think right. My leg hurts and it's affecting my life. Don't healings come from God? Do you all see, see what I'm saying? But sometimes we go, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be one of those kinds of Christians that like prays for people and stuff. And I'm supposed to be led by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God, are you there, Spirit of God? You know what I'm saying? We make it all so weird. It doesn't have to be. 
If we're not consumed with ourselves, we'll recognize the long face. You ask the long face, why is your face so long? Maybe not like that. <laughs> Excuse me, you know what I mean? Like, what's with the long face? Are you, what's going on? And they'll tell you what's going on. And guess what? There will be an opportunity for us to yield to the Spirit of God and see God do something. Right? So what happens? Well, Joseph, uh, he interprets these dreams. And unfortunately, um, the baker, so, so first let's start with the cupbearer. The interpretation of the cupbearer's dream is, hey man, you're going to get reappointed back into your office of cupbearing. And the interpretation for the baker was, hey man, you're going to get your head impaled. Not awesome. Um, but it was an accurate interpretation, you know. Um, and God wasn't like forcing Pharaoh's hand or anything. It's just what was going to happen, you know. Um, and so what happens? Well, in Genesis 40, 23, it says this. But the head cupbearer never gave Joseph another thought. He forgot all about him. Cupbearer is reappointed back into his position, and he completely forgets about Joseph. How many of y'all think this is yet another opportunity to be thoroughly annoyed? You forgot me, bro! You forgot me, I bless you, I help you, and you forget me. Again, guys, our, our action cannot be determined by people's, by people's action or response or the way that they treat us, ever. It has to be just yielding to the Spirit of God. I know it sounds simple, but it can be so, if you don't keep it simple, it's very easy for your attention to get kidnapped and for you to entertain things, for me to entertain things that prevent us from just letting God move. So don't be surprised if, people, if the people that you help abandon you. Remember Jesus? Guys, he just wanted to help. Look what they did to him. That's our master. Don't be surprised if it happens to you. So Genesis 41.1. Y'all ready? Two years passed and Pharaoh had a dream. How many years? How many of y'all think that's a long time to spend in prison? And that's not even like that's... That's the additional time after the cupbearer goes back. Two more years passed, and Pharaoh had a dream. I think that the, the church at large, um, we can grow in our appreciation of perseverance and contentment. Do you hear me? Perseverance, can you say perseverance? That doesn't mean just Get me out of the situation. It means getting through the situation with God's help. Contentment, it does not mean complacency. It means staying lit wherever you are. Staying charged by the Spirit of God wherever you are. And watching Him move wherever you are. 
So Pharaoh, after these two years, Pharaoh had some dreams. He actually had two dreams. I know it says Pharaoh had a dream. He actually had two dreams. And none of his servants could interpret it. Genesis 41, 9 through 16. The head cupbearer then spoke up and said to Pharaoh, I just now remembered something. I'm sorry, I should have told you this a long time ago. Yeah, you should have, cupbearer. Once when Pharaoh got angry with his servants, he locked me and the head baker in the house of the captain of the guard. We both had dreams on the same night, each dream with its own meaning. It so happened that there was a young Hebrew slave there with us. See, that's how people look at Joseph. Young Hebrew slave. He belonged to the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams and he interpreted them for us, each dream separately. Things turned out just as he interpreted. I was returned to my position and the head baker was impaled. Reading on. Pharaoh at once, he was like, yeah, man, thank you for telling me this, finally. Pharaoh at once sent for Joseph. They brought him on the run from the jail cell. He cut his hair, put on clean clothes, and came to Pharaoh. So he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, I dreamed a dream, Pharaoh told Joseph. Nobody can interpret it, but I've heard that just by hearing a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered, not I, but God. God will set Pharaoh's mind at ease. Isn't that good? Joseph is confident that God's desire is to help this person who could be seen as Joseph's oppressor. Right? He's like, yeah, God will set your mind at ease. God doesn't want to set their mind at ease. They've been putting me in. I've been in their prisons. I've been serving their commanders. I hope they just stay up all night stressed out about what they're doing to me. Uh-uh. God will put your mind at ease. How many of y'all know it says that God causes the rain on the just and on the wicked? Right? He wants to bless everybody. Bless, 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 bless. All we do. Bless. Would you be willing to readily serve someone whose political system had kept you in bondage for years? It's a pretty big question. That's kind of where Joseph is coming from. And he's just quick. I want to help. Doesn't write him off. Doesn't give him a piece of his mind. He says, God wants to help you, man. So Joseph accurately interprets Pharaoh's dreams as having seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And then Joseph tells Pharaoh that he needs to appoint someone to oversee this process. Check this out. Joseph does not say, hey, so since I interpreted this dream, I think I'm the perfect person for this job. God, through Joseph, says, hey, this is what's going to happen. There's going to be famine, or there's going to be blessing, then there's going to be famine, and you should appoint someone over this process. He does not exalt himself. He does not appoint himself. But check this out. In Genesis 41, 38 through 40, then Pharaoh said to his officials, isn't this the man we need? Are we going to find anyone else who has God's spirit in him like this? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, you're the man for us. God has given you the inside story. No one is as qualified as you in experience and wisdom. From now on, you're in charge of all my affairs. All my people will report to you. 
Only as king will I be over you. I find it interesting that he references Joseph's experience. His experience. How many of y'all know, like, Pharaoh certainly can recognize, okay, God speaks through you. But because Joseph didn't just sit down in the previous pits, because he let God transform them from pits to pulpits, there's a track record of things being delegated to him and them thriving. Things being delegated and them thriving. I just want to tell you, do not undermine the experience you are gaining in your current pit. Did you hear me? God can use it. God can use it. God can use it. And it might totally surprise you how he does so. But you might be learning even experiential things right now that can carry over. Skills that can carry over in the next chapter God has for you. And so, quick summary. Joseph, he's 30 when he's appointed to power. How old was he when he was sold into slavery? 17. Now he's 30. That's a while. That's some time. Then he has some children. He gets married. Things are going great. Seven years of plenty occur. And then the famine hits. And guess what? Egypt is the only country prepared. And so Joseph's father, what's his name? What, what are his names in Israel, right? And his brothers, they end up coming to Egypt for the goods. Genesis 45, 4 through 11. Then Joseph said to his brothers, please come closer to me. Okay, so this is, this is after the brothers have come. This is after Joseph kind of pulls their tail. He's messing with them. Okay, Joseph plays some games with his brothers. I encourage you to go read this story because it's kind of funny. He like just messes with his brothers for a little bit. But he doesn't resent them, and you'll be able to see that because of what he says. It says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother Joseph, whom you sold to Egypt. Y'all ready? Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me ahead of you to save lives. Isn't that interesting? Some people, I think, would be tempted to say, yeah, look at me now. Look at me now. And you should be ashamed of what you did. Some people would do that. Joseph doesn't do that. He says, don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves. Because God did something with it. God flipped bad for good to save lives. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. So God sent me ahead of you to ensure for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his household, and ruler over the land of Egypt. Keep going. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay, for you shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you. 
For there are still five years of famine to come, and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Listen, Joseph ruling over his father and his brothers looked like Joseph helping in serving his father and brothers. They got it twisted, as do we when we have misshapen concepts of what authority in Christ look like. I remember I didn't want to have anything to do with God. If there was a God, I didn't think he wanted to help me. If there was a Lord that I was going to put over my life, he was going to box me in, make me feel small, make me feel like the scum of the earth, as might have Jacob and Joseph's brothers thought Joseph would have done if he was ruling. Here we see ruling in godliness is serving helping and sometimes it's annoying that people have to get to this place of impoverishment to finally be willing to receive to admit they can't do it on their own but that's where i had to get unfortunately to finally be okay with saying yeah okay i need help and receiving it God isn't a tyrant leader that you imagine. He is a loving father who wants to help his children in a drought. Last thing to point out, if Joseph was 17 when he was sold into slavery, he was 30 when he was appointed to his position as Pharaoh's right-hand man. When his brothers went to get Jacob, he was 39. 39. So that's 22 years from when he had this dream to when he saw it manifest. Y'all, 22 years is a while. Don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. And along the journey of getting to the manifestation of the dream, again, recognize every pit is an opportunity to yield to God for him to transform it from a pit to a pulpit. If you're willing to receive that, say amen. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.